Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy and healthy life. Not as disabled people, but as people with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Hey, welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. How you feeling today, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. We're following up today with part two of The Narcissist and a Person with a Disability. Today, we're dealing with the narcissistic parent and the adult child. This is an episode that is near and dear to my heart. Why, you might ask? (laughs) Well, this happens to pertain to me. I have dealt with a narcissistic parent from day one. I dealt with a mother who just, for whatever reason, I don't know, I guess she didn't like me from birth, and it went on and on and on to the point that it began to affect my marriage. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I was married twice, and both times, my my mother affected both marriages. And, well, I'm not going to tell you the whole story right now. I want you to listen to what Dave has to tell you about the narcissistic parent and the adult child. But I want you to stick around because after Dave gets done, after Dave tells you the important parts of this, I want you to hear my story. I'm going to tell you my story after Dave gets done here. So sit back, relax, listen to what Dave has to tell you the important facts about the narcissistic parent and the adult child. And then I'm going to tell you my story after Dave gets done. Hi, friends. Welcome to part two of The Narcissist and the Person with a Disability. Today, we are discussing the ways a narcissistic parent go about manipulating and controlling their adult children. Adult children of narcissists go through a lifetime's worth of abuse. Narcissistic parents lack empathy, exploit their children for their own agendas, and are unlikely to seek treatment or change their destructive behaviors long-term. Their children often endure severe psychological maltreatment as their parents employ behaviors like bullying, terrorizing, coercive control, insults, demands, and threats to keep them compliant. This form of trauma places children of narcissists at risk for suicidality, low self-esteem, depression, self-harm, substance abuse, attachment disorders, and complex PTSD, leading to symptoms similar to children who were physically or sexually abused. If children of narcissists choose to remain in contact with their abusive parents, they will continue to encounter manipulation even as adults. 
The same tactics which were employed to control them as children can still be powerful even when they are adults, perhaps even more so because these methods cause them to regress back into childhood states of fear, shame, and terror. The difference is that as an adult, you have the ability to use alternative coping methods, self care, and to limit contact with your parents as you heal. Here are five manipulation tactics narcissistic parents use to control their children, even as adults, and some self care tips for coping. 1. Emotional blackmail. The narcissistic parent appears to make a request, but it's really a demand. If you say no, set boundaries, or let them know you'll get back to them later, they'll apply increased pressure and threaten consequences to try to get you to acquiesce to them. If you still refuse, they may then punish you with sulking, passive aggressive statements, a rage attack, withholding of something important, or even the threat of violence or sabotage. This is emotional blackmail. For example, your narcissistic mother may tell you that she would like you and your family to come over on the weekend for dinner. All the relatives will be there and they want to see you. Knowing her abusive ways, you tell her you can't make it this weekend because you have a prior engagement. Rather than respecting your wishes, she proceeds to talk about how ungrateful you're being and how all your family members are looking forward to seeing you and your children. You say no, and she hangs up on you and subjects you to the silent treatment for weeks. Know your rights and boundaries. You have the right to say no to any invitation or request, especially from someone known to be abusive. You have the right to protect yourself and any other family members who would be affected by your toxic parents' behavior. You don't have to give in to any silent treatments or tolerate rage attacks. You can allow your narcissistic parent to have whatever reaction they have from a distance. During this time, do not answer phone calls. Text messages or voicemails abusive in nature. Do not meet with them in person to discuss. Your no is not a negotiation. 2. Guilt tripping with fear, obligation, and guilt. Fog. It is common for narcissistic parents to use fog, fear, obligation, and guilt on us to evoke the kind of guilt that would cause us to give in to their desires, even at the expense of our own basic needs and rights. For example, Your narcissistic father disapproves of the fact that you're single and have no children. He tells you that time is running out to give him grandchildren. When you tell him you're happy being single, he lashes out in rage and despair, telling you, So I am going to die without grandchildren? I am getting older and sicker every day, don't you think I want to see my daughter start a family? Is this how you're repaying me for all I've done for you? What will our friends and neighbors think to see an unmarried woman at your age? It's shameful and disgraceful. You're a disgrace to the family. Notice any guilt or shame that arises and realize it does not belong to you when you find yourself being guilt tripped by a narcissistic parent. Ask yourself if you have anything to truly feel guilty about. Have you intentionally inflicted any harm upon your narcissistic parent? Or are you simply doing what every human being has a right to do live their lives through their own free will? You have a right to your choices, preferences, and autonomy. Even if your toxic parent disagrees with those choices, you do not owe them an explanation for choices that have to do with your career, love life, or any children you may or may not have. 3. Shaming. Narcissistic, toxic parents shame their children to further belittle and demean them. This is actually quite effective, as research has shown that when someone feels flawed and defective, they tend to be more compliant to the requests of others. For example, Your narcissistic parent begins remarking upon your career choices during Thanksgiving dinner, calling them reckless and irresponsible. 
Even though you are successful, financially stable, and own your own home, they continue to nitpick in ways you fall short since you didn't choose the career they had demanded of you. They criticize your ability to provide for your family and to be a role model for your children. Acknowledge if you're having any form of emotional flashback when your parent begins to nitpick and shame you. It's important to notice if you feel you're regressing back to childhood states of powerlessness so you can learn to take your power back in the present moment rather than reacting in a way that gives into their shaming tactics. Let them know you won't be shamed, and that if they continue this behavior, they'll just have to see less of you. Recognize that this shame does not belong to you and remind yourself of how far you've come. You deserve to be proud of yourself, not ashamed. 4. Triangulation and Comparison Narcissistic parents love to compare their children to other siblings or peers in an effort to further diminish them. They want their scapegoated children to fight for their approval and attention. They also want to provoke them into feeling less than. For example, you get a call from your parents who tell you the news of your cousin getting engaged. Your toxic mother makes a snide comment like, You know, your cousin Ashley just completed medical school and got engaged. What are you doing with your life? Don't give in to petty comparisons. Label them as triangulation and realize it is just another way to undermine you. Switch the subject or find an excuse to cut the conversation short if your narcissistic parent engages in needless comparisons and disparaging comments. Notice if you have an urge to justify or explain yourself, and resist the urge to do so. Know that you do not have to waste your energy proving your accomplishments to people who are unwilling to acknowledge them. Spend time with people who do celebrate you and keep a list of what you're proud of to remind yourself that you do not have to compare yourself to anyone in order to feel successful in your own right. 5. Gaslighting Gaslighting is an insidious weapon in the toolbox of a narcissistic parent. It allows the toxic parent to distort reality, deny the reality of the abuse, and make you feel like the toxic one for calling them out. For example, Your narcissistic father leaves you an abusive voicemail late at night and 10 missed calls when you refuse to go out of your way to do something for him. Even though you've explained to him that it's inconvenient for you to do, he persists in punishing you for not complying to his requests and continues to harass you through the phone. The next day, you call him to confront him about his harassing behavior and he responds by saying, You're making a mountain out of a molehill. I barely called you last night. You're imagining things. Those who are gaslighted in childhood often suffer from a persistent sense of self doubt in adulthood. Rather than giving into your conditioned sense of self doubt, begin to notice whenever your narcissist parent's falsehoods do not match up with reality. When you experience an abusive incident, document it and work with a therapist to remain grounded in what you've experienced in both childhood and adulthood rather than subscribing to the toxic parent's version of events. Track if there's been a pattern of gaslighting in your relationship with your narcissistic parent and act accordingly with what you've lived through, rather than what the abusive parent claims. Remember, the more you resist abuse amnesia, the more likely you'll be able to protect yourself and avoid being exploited or taken advantage of by the toxic parent. Remember, you don't have to tolerate the harmful behavior of dangerous people, even if they share your DNA. Are you dealing with a narcissistic parent? If so, you have my sympathy. I hope this information helped in some way. I'm gonna pass this back to Jimmy. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, thanks, Dave. That was very interesting. Very, very interesting. You know, being the child of a narcissistic parent, 
is probably one of the hardest things that we would have to go through. Having a disability and being the child of a narcissistic parent is twice as hard. Trust me, I know this is this comes from experience. Growing up in that type of environment was hard enough. But being an adult and still being in that environment is twice as hard. As I said, I was married twice. The first time I married a high school sweetheart, we were planning on getting married in the church that we attended. Actually, we went to that, that grammar school, and we went to that church to get married. And my mother, the dear sweet woman that she was, called the church. She actually called the church and told the priest that she believed we weren't ready to get married. We were 19 years old at the time. And my, my future wife and I went to the church and we sat down with the priest and he asked us a bunch of embarrassing questions and we answered them the, the most honest way we could and we spent a few hours with him and then he turned around and he said, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. And I, I said, why? We've, we've made all our sacraments here in this church. We attended the school at this church. Why can't we get married in the church? And he said, honestly, your mother called here and said that you're not ready and I tend to agree with her. So I went to the pastor who happened to be, <laughs> of all things, the principal of the Catholic high school that I went to. And I said to him, Monsignor, why can't I get married in the church? And he said, had you come to me first, I would have married you here. He says, but being that you went to Father Jim, he says, uh, he says I can't overstep him. And I, I couldn't believe my ears. I went home. I, I, I said to my mother, well, how dare you? Cool. Well, I feel you're not ready to get married. I don't want you getting married yet. This is what she told me. And me being me, I just walked out of the house. I went and I got my fiance. I told her, I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to City Hall. City Hall's not open on Saturday, so we'll go on Friday. She didn't believe I would do it. I already had an apartment. I wasn't living at home at that point. I went, I got my, my brother who happened to be the golden child. I was the scapegoat in the family. Anything that, that went wrong, I got blamed for. My brother, on the other hand, he was the golden child. He got blamed for nothing. But I got him and I said, listen, you know, you want to come and be my best man. I think because that's the way it was at the time. Your brother was always your best man, and for the girl, your sister was always the maid of honor. They came, my brother, my wife's first cousin, came as the maid of honor. We went to City Hall that Friday. I got married. My mother, I, when I dropped my brother off at the house to go home, my mother was howling. She was howling like a dog that got beat. I could hear her outside. I said to my brother, I said, you want to come stay at my, my apartment? He says, no, I better go inside. He went in. She howling at him and 
he told me later on that she wasn't mad at him. She was mad at me for getting married. Long story short, two years later, I got a divorce. She was super happy about that. But do you know, on my wedding day, she sent me a mass card, the card that you would give to someone that died, a funeral card. That's what she gave me as a, as a wedding gift, a funeral card, charming woman. When I got married the second time, she says to me, I don't know if I'm coming to the wedding. I said, if you don't come, you don't have to go home. It's that simple. I was to the point that I couldn't be bothered anymore with her, with her ways, with her narcissistic ways. I couldn't be bothered. I know that sounds horrible. She found ways to nitpick at everything. She didn't like my invitations. Well, you know what? At this point here, my, my new bride, my new wife, was more important to me than anything. And I told her that. My, my new wife wanted to make peace. I told her there was no way to make peace with this woman. But she tried. She tried her best. But there was no way to make peace. Come the day of my wedding, my mother showed up late for the, for the church service. She made a big stink that she wanted my brother to come off the altar to come walk her down the aisle. So to, just to save face, to save the embarrassment of her raising a fuss in the church, my brother went down and walked her down the aisle. But she came late. She invited her friends to, to the, my reception who dressed like they were going to uh, the corner to hang out. Yeah, this is my mother. They got so drunk, they're doing the can-can dance at the reception. An embarrassment. But this is okay, because it was my wedding. Her gift to me at my wedding was a set of dishes. Not china, not fine china or anything like that. Just a set of dishes. Anyway, less than a year Less than a year into my marriage, my mother had walked out of my birthday party because she felt that my new in-laws were ignoring her at my apartment. She made a stink with my wife because my, my wife was pregnant and she felt like she should have cooked Thanksgiving dinner. Stupid bullshit things, little nitpicking things, but it came to a head at one point one day. And she called my wife, and I quote, an unsociable bitch, and told me that I had to choose between my wife and her. Which one was it going to be? I just looked at her. I said, you got to be kidding me. What are you, what are you, what are you kidding? She says, you got a choice. You can choose me or your wife. If you choose me, you're in my will. If you choose your wife, you're out of my will. Now, I told her at that point, I never got anything from you while you're alive. I don't want anything from you while you're alive. And I certainly don't want anything from you when you're dead. And I married my wife because I wanted to marry my wife. So if you can't respect that, get the hell out of my house. That was 39 years ago. I, haven't, I didn't speak to the woman since. Unfortunately, she passed. I never wished anyone in my life dead. Never. And I never wished her dead. My brother, 
who I haven't spoke to in years, my sisters who I haven't spoke to in years, not because I had anything against them, but because they had it against me for absolutely no other reason than my mother didn't talk to me. So because she didn't talk to me, they didn't talk to me. I was their scapegoat. No big thing. They they were they were hammering me. So I was their I was their target. As long as I was their target, they were leaving other people alone. I could care less. That's the way it was. So for thirty nine years, none of us have spoken. Or they haven't spoken with me, I haven't spoken with them. My mother passed away, I didn't go to her funeral. They told me the day she passed away. I didn't even know she was sick. But that's the way it is. But that's how it is in a narcissistic family. They try to use things to gain control over you. Like her will. What did I care about her will? I got nothing from her when she was alive. What do I want from her when she's dead? And you, if you're in a narcissistic relationship, if your parent, don't let them control you. I'm not saying you have to do like I did. You don't have to walk away. But you have to have the strength in you that if it does come down to it, if it does come down to it, you have to pick what's more important to you. Your 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 sanity, your well-being, your family, or groveling at the feet of a narcissistic parent. You have to grow up at, at some point in your life. If you're a married person, your family has to come first. Your children, your wife, your husband has to come first before a narcissistic parent. I know they teach us honor your mother or father, but at the same time, your mother and father do have to honor you as well. As they always say, respect is a two-way street. It truly is. Remember this. Things can always be worse. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse. You've been listening to An Apple a Day. My name is Jimmy Apple. I will talk to you again real soon. Have a great day, my friends. Mm-hmm.